Hello, and welcome back to Brain Fart for episode two. Um, first and foremost, guys, I just have to thank you. The amount of support and love and people just listening was far beyond what I ever thought it would be. And I also just wanted to give a shout out to Martin for doing all of the intro. He wrote and recorded it and uploaded it and got it all together. And I had some people ask me about it. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. I also had some people ask me about if I would go more in depth with the illnesses and I definitely will but I'm going to save that for future episodes because I want to talk about something that came up this week when I first posted it. Nothing bad. That sounded very dire. It's not dire at all. Um, It just came with people kind of telling me how nice it was to hear someone talk about invisible illnesses and chronic illnesses on a more social platform. And I realized just how much of a stigma there is. And so that's kind of the topic for this episode. I just want to talk about that because I definitely thought about it prior to starting this podcast. Obviously, a lot of thought went into this. It wasn't just one day I picked up a microphone and got going. But I definitely thought about how it would affect me as a student and what my friends would think and what my family would think, but also as someone who wants to enter the career force and wants to enter a profession that heavily relies on physicality and movement and being aware and memorization and a lot of things that involve your brain. And so just those thoughts of what if a casting director or a future employer heard the podcast and what if they thought they got nervous? What if they got nervous and decided that they might go with someone else equally as talented, but who didn't have a brain disorder and who wasn't a liability? And maybe you're thinking that won't happen. Nobody would do that. Nobody would put you in a box like that. We're in a new day and age people are much more open. But to be quite honest, it's already happened before to me. And this is a story I kind of want to tell just to give you kind of some background on where I'm coming from with this idea, but also if it had happened to anyone else, just say, I'm here with you too. And also just to kind of get it off my chest. I was a part of a production two two years ago. Yeah, I was a sophomore. And I was in this production, and it was kind of this new works production. It was at my university, and my university is great because they'll bring in outside directors and composers and writers into the university setting, and they'll bring in their works, and we as students will work on the show, and we'll work with them, and they'll rewrite things, and it's so it's kind of a part of this workshop process to get this show on its feet. And so in the fall, during that semester, we would do a very short, smaller scale production of it in the city, in New York City. And then in the spring, we would fully put up the play in one of our theaters on campus. 
And so it was really cool because you were part of it for both semesters. And I w was luckily cast in one. I was a sophomore. And so for the first semester, we did the workshop. We went into the city. We did the thing. It was awesome. I feel like a real performer. And then in the spring, we started rehearsing again to get it up on its feet, to show people, to have audiences. And so during the rehearsal process, this... This was my sophomore year, and this this was the time. This was the time my pseudotumor wanted to be known. And so it actually happened during this process. And I will give the full story another time because it's long, and I kind of want to bring in friends to retell it because I don't remember a whole lot about it, and they do. So basically one night in rehearsal, I had something happen to me that had never happened before and I was taken to the hospital and this kind of started my whole hospital journey and I missed three or four, re four rehearsals because of it and they knew, they were aware, it wasn't like I just dropped off the face of the planet, they were completely aware, they were by my, not by my side, but they were with me and wanting me to get better and this is the creative team I'm talking about, and also the castmates. I had wonderful castmates and people who were working with me, and they became great friends afterwards. And so everyone knew what was kind of going on. They knew the basic gist. They knew I wouldn't be back for a couple of days, but they said it was fine and to come back when I was ready. And I, I knew the show at this point. It wasn't like I was missing a lot. I was, I was missing things. It's not to say that there were things not, like they didn't cease production because I wasn't there. I was missing some stuff, but I knew the show. I had done it in the fall. We did some rewrites, but I knew it in the spring. I knew what I was doing. I felt comfortable coming back to the rehearsal room and I did. And I got the go ahead from my doctors. They were like, okay, we, we don't really know what this illness is anyways, but <laughs> you seem okay now. You seem like you handled the spinal tap and the treatment well to relieve the pressure. And so I also got the okay from the department heads of my university, so kind of the directors of the program and my teachers, and they gave the outside, outside worker, outside directors and writers and creative team the okay. They said, she's clear, she's ready to go, let her back in. And they said, okay, they, they brought me back in. I was in rehearsal for a couple days, and then... And then it happened. And then one day I kind of had a memory, not blockage, like I just had a memory issue. And so I had to step out for a second. And then we went on a break and I walked up to them and I said, you know what, I'm good. I got the good to go. I know it happened. I know like that might freak you out, but I'm okay. And they said, okay. And then, and then they asked me to step out. And that's when I think that's when they fired me. It's not, I don't, not, I think that's when they fired me. No, I know when they fired me, but I, th I think that the moment I forgot something during the rehearsal was the moment that the fear of the unknown consumed them and it spiraled and they could no longer have me in the production for the fear that I would mess up on stage and not mess up, but forget or have something happen to me. 
And I have to admit, I see where they're coming from. This was something they'd been working on for years and they don't want like some college student to screw it up. Like they want to get their production to go further and this was a step in doing so and they didn't want it to end here at my university with me. <laughs> and so they brought me outside and they sat me down and they said, we are so sorry, but we think it would be better if you left the production and if we let you go from the from the production and I mean that that sucks when you're like 19 and you're thinking about all the things you've done and have yet to do and someone is so afraid of you and what could happen to you that they can't even have you part of the production it really makes you think can I continue doing this these people don't believe in me they don't think I could do it so how, how is someone else going to believe that I can do it? And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about this and I'm crying and they're crying because they're, because they're good people. And they really were upset and sad to see this happen to me. And especially since it was not great timing for them. It wasn't great timing for me either. Okay. And so we're both, we're just sitting there crying and I was like, okay, is this is this what my life's going to be now? So many people just afraid of me or feeling bad for me or afraid of what could happen to me because they know about this now and they have this knowledge about me that it could be used against me because it, it was used against me. They used it as a reason to let me go from the production. That's just a bummer. And it was a bummer. And I was really upset about it. And then, the, and then the most interesting thing happened. We're just sitting there sobbing. And then the director looks at me and she goes, you can be mad at us. You can just scream at us. You can get so angry at us. We deserve it. What do you, what do you even say to that? You're like, I'm not gonna, I have no desire to just start screaming at you and letting you have it. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste what little energy I have left screaming at you in a public place for everyone to hear. So God, like I, I want to keep my composure at least like that's, I have my dignity, ma'am. Like, please let me keep it. And so, and so I did. I said, I don't have any desire to scream at you or to yell at you. I just want to go home. And that's what I did. We, I had a friend come pick me up. I went home and then I was in the comfort and the safety of my own room. And then I got angry. And I, I got angry when I was by myself and in front of people I trusted. And I was, wah, wah, life's no fair. This is a bummer, the stinks, boo-hoo, throwing pillows, angrily eating sweet potato chips, tissues flying around the room, and it was, like, it's silly to think about now, but it was a little ridiculous then. And then I kind of gave myself a 24-hour period. I was like, you have 24 hours to be mad. And I mean, you, you can be as mad as you want for however friggin' long you want to be, but I... I thought if I am mad now, I'm going to be mad later and I will continue to be mad and I will fall into this hole of self-pity and anger and it will just eat me alive. And I just couldn't 
I couldn't deal with that because I knew that wouldn't help with my health and it would be too exhausting to have those strong feelings and my brain already needed all the help it could get and it didn't need me to be mad and sad all of the time. And that's not to say that I, I'm not mad and I don't get sad. It happens a lot. And I want to talk about that actually in later episodes as well. I know I keep saying I want to put it off, but I got to save some content for future episodes. So hold your horses. But I do, I want to talk about kind of personality shifts and paranoia and anger. So stay tuned. But back to, back to the reality of what was happening at the time. I gave myself 24 hours. The next day was still a bummer and it was rainy out. It was like the weather knew. Mother nature was mad with me. (laughs) So I had a bad day and then I, and then I just got better. Not my healthy, but I mean, I got healthy better too a little bit, but I also just kind of mentally was preparing myself and mentally healing myself, which was, I think the best thing at the time for me. And I just took the time. I took all this new freedom, all this new time that I had because I wasn't in rehearsals and I just like took time for myself and took time to try and keep focused on school and get through the rest of the school year and keep going. And I did. But I think back to this story and what a... I think back to the story and... I can't help but think of how much stigma played, how much it was a major player in this occurrence and what happened because they, they didn't know. And that is what fueled the fear. They were so afraid of, of the unknown and of not knowing about this illness and not knowing about how I would handle the illness. And I, I have to say it was right when it happened. So of course there was going to be speculation. And so that's kind of was my first encounter with people looking at me differently and seeing me differently because of this newfound illness that I had. And that's when I started to become worried because what, what would happen in the future for me? Would I be able to hold a job? Would people hold this against me if they knew? Would it be better if I just pretended that I didn't have it and didn't tell anyone so they wouldn't know, so they couldn't hold it against me or use it against me or even just let it influence them on their, like over their opinion on me. And I worried about, oh, will I ever get a big part? Will people trust me after this, after this whole issue? And the thing is, they did. People people still trusted me. They still... Because I had a lot of teachers in my, in my corner, a lot of teachers who were very angry about what had happened, that these people could fire me, especially in a school setting. They were like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that serious. It's a school production. And so they were just very frustrated that that had happened to me and really there was no revert they even tried to get me back into the production and I honestly I had one teacher in me who kind of came to the consensus that it probably just wouldn't be a healthy environment to go back into and so I didn't but then I was I was cast again the next year 
and so it can it, it continued to happen for me. I still got things and I got a hold of the illness and I got a hold of how that affected me in my workspace and how that could affect me in my workspace and figuring out how to navigate that entire idea. But I still had this fear of what people would think of me. And it came to the point where I had my, actually one of my roommates who, she's wonderful, hi Juliana, I know you're listening, but she, she asked me one day, she was like, why, why don't you have disability papers through the school? And that was shocking hearing that for the first time because I didn't think I needed them. This isn't that bad. Like, does this even warrant disability papers? Is that, is that okay? Like, how do I do that? And it, I mean, it was super easy. I just sent in like some doctor's notes and was like, here, look, look at my medical history. It's sad. And they were like, it is sad. Here's the papers. And we kind of worked out a system of what would be best. And we figured out that like writing on, oh, I have to get my disability papers for the semester. Thanks for reminding me. Um, what was I talking about? my thoughts back together um oh but so we worked out this system of this like we'll just write on it that you're allowed to miss days like miss some class periods like no questions asked or if I needed to be late to class or needed some breaks with homework like extensions and that kind of is what was said on the disability papers and then it said like if teachers had questions to call the center and they'd tell them more um, but basically all I had to do was go hand my professor these papers. But then it became a thing of, oh, like people are going to see me walk up and give these papers and which like, whatever, I don't really care about that. I don't, I was going to say, I don't really care about people. I care about people, but like, I guess I don't really care about if they know I have a special paper or something, but it was, it still was eating away at me of, do I really need this? Is this something I need? And the answer is yes. I t and once I had them, I realized how much I needed them because I, I need days sometimes. And this is where I'm going to like tell you about episodes and what they are. I call them episodes. I don't really know what else to call them. It's just something that happens. Honestly, it usually happens after a long day. It usually happens when I'm physically or emotionally tired. And it honestly feels like my brain is just like, okay, we're done for the day. And it shuts down. And usually like what that brings is a headache, a really bad headache. And then I lose vision. Sometimes the vision gets blurry or I just can't physically open my eyes. Like the muscles of my eyelids just don't feel like they can work. And so I have to either close them or I can't really see. Um, I forget a lot. I usually forget what the episodes are. I've been told by people mainly Martin, my boyfriend, because he's there with me for them. Um, and I forget what I'm saying. And then my words become mumbled or I'll sometimes get slurred speech. It's sometimes like I'm drunk, like I get slurred speech. And usually when it's kind of bad, I, my body tenses really, really intensely. <laughs> um, but okay, but it tenses up to the point where my muscles are so tight that I start shaking. It looks like seizures, but it is not a seizure. 
it just looks like one because my muscles are so tight. It's like when you're working out and your muscles shake because you're like working them out a lot. I say as if I work out a lot. Um, but it was something where, and I like kind of crane my neck. It looks like I'm possessed almost because I'm like shaking and my like head's thrown back and I'm mumbling and my head hurts and I sometimes like hit my head to try and tell the person that it hurts even though that's not, it's kind of counter intuitive, counterproductive. Um, and so that's kind of what an episode is. And usually I fall asleep and I wake up the next morning and it's done. And that is great. It usually happens at night because that's kind of when I'm the most tired. It's happened occasionally during the day, which isn't great because then I'm gone the rest of the day. But it's usually at night when I'm done with everything and my body keeps myself going the entire day. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. If I keep doing stuff, I won't crash. And then all of a sudden I lay down and it's like a switch. I could be talking, I could be watching a video. And then all of a sudden it's like my head hurts, my brain hurts. I can't function. And that's like what I consider an episode. Um, and waking up the next day, it's just exhausting. I wake up and I feel like I ran a marathon, I say as if I ever ran a marathon, um, but it feels like, it feels exhausting. I feel just hit, just hit with tiredness. And most of the time I just need more sleep and I need water and just comfort just to kind of re, uh, what's the word? Um, like, no. Oh. Nuggets, uh, recuperate. Yeah, sure. And so that, that's what happens. And this, these papers gave me the chance to miss class because of episodes. Cause if I was, there were times where I would have class at eight 30 in the morning and I would have five classes in a row going until five 30 PM. And then I would have rehearsal at six 30 PM. And then 6.30 to 10.30 was rehearsal, and then I would walk home, and I'd get home at, like, 11, and then I would usually eat because I'm a hungry gal, and then you get your life together, and you're doing all this stuff, and then it's 11.30, and then, oh, I forgot to shower because I forgot to shower. That's gross, but whatever, um, and then it's 12 a.m., and then you're in bed, and then you're so tired that you completely shut down, and that is what would happen to me, and then the next morning, I'd be like, okay, I have to do it all over again, and then I couldn't because I had just expended all expelled, expended, expelled. I don't know. I did something with my energy and it was gone. And so these papers gave me the opportunity to say, okay, here's your break. Here's your midweek break because I couldn't make it to weekends. I couldn't. And then I'd be working on the weekends. I was working all the time. It's an intense major, nothing to turn your nose up at, but yeah. It, and so this is what these papers allowed me to do but then I'm missing class and then I'm doing group work with people and they don't understand why I'm not there. And they're wondering, where's our partner? Why doesn't this girl ever show up to class anymore? And then it becomes easier to just tell them you have the flu. You're just like, I just got hit with the flu <laughs> because that's just something that's easier to understand. It's just, because if I said, oh, I had an episode because of my neurological condition, people are like, oh, okay, no idea what that means. But it's easier to just be like, no, I had the flu, and everyone immediately is like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, that's something we can relate to that makes sense to me. 
And so it became easier to tell people that than to explain my illness. So then people just thought I had a crappy immune system. I mean, I do, but that's besides the point. And the same goes for people believing that I'm just lazy because I had to essentially stop dancing because it was too physically demanding and it would tire me out too much. And so that I had to quit. And then there was sometimes I, I'm sitting on the couch or I'm laying in bed and I have to, I don't know, fill up my water bottle. And I'm sitting there and I realize, oh, I have to get up and I have to walk to the fridge and I have to get the jug out and I have to pour the water and then I have to put the jug back in the fridge and then I have to drink the water and then I have to walk back. And I, I can't tell you, sometimes it just seems so daunting that I would rather be thirsty. And so when I'm asking people, oh, can you pass me a water bottle? Or can you go fill my water bottle? And you say it in that little like, mm, can you do this for me? And then people just believe you're lazy. And I'm like, okay. It's easier for them to think that I'm just lazy than for me to explain to them, no, this, like, it sounds ridiculous, but this is my Mount Everest right now. And I mean, who knows? Then 20 minutes later, I'm fine and I'm running to the bathroom because I have to pee really bad or I am dancing a little bit because all of a sudden the energy comes back. But in that moment, it's gone and there's no way of describing it because it sounds so dramatic. Like I possibly could not get up and go fill up my water bottle. God forbid. But truly it is like that. You're sitting there or I'm sitting there and it's just the impossible task of that moment and that's what's kind of a bummer about it because then the helplessness starts kicking in and you're like if I can't even get up to go fill up this water bottle how am I supposed to do a three-hour show but it's just that moment and sometimes adrenaline kicks in to do it and sometimes it doesn't but it's it's really easier just making people believe a different side of you than trying to explain to them what's actually happening in, inside of you. And I'm not going to lie. It sometimes feels like I am lazy or, oh, I see all my classmates dancing or I see all of my roommates going to the gym every day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym today. And then three o'clock hits and all I want to do is take a nap or I'm, I have to do homework. And so then I'm like, okay, I'll do it after. It'll be a nice pick-me-up, and then I'll eat dinner, and I make this whole plan for the rest of the day, and then I'm in bed watching videos because that's what I, I need. I need that break. And then, so then it's like, oh, you're beating yourself up. You're like, oh, I'm so lazy. Like, I need to, need to get in shape. That'll make me feel better. Like, when I'm, I'm just out of shape right now, that's why I'm so tired. Like when I get in shape, the endorphins will release. And like they do, like that's actually like science that happens. But then, I mean, and then sometimes I go to the gym and I'm like, yeah, I'm healthy. I am the picture of health. Yes, yes, yes. Nobody knows that I'm sick. I'm on the elliptical. Uh-huh. Yeah, kill it. Uh, just like that. That's exactly what I do. And then I'm on the elliptical for five minutes and my head starts pounding and I'm like, oh, 
oh, that's why I wasn't doing this for a week, <laughs> because I cannot with my brain. And then I leave. And then it feels like you're exaggerating. And then people think you're exaggerating. And people are like, okay, you could take one ballet class a day. Like, that's not that much effort. You could be doing that. I can't. And I can't get off the couch to go fill up my water bottle. I need someone to help me or else I'm going to be thirsty. I'm going to be a thirsty gal and I need your help. And sometimes you just need to ask for help. So that's it. And you know what? Sometimes people get it. Like Martin, love that boy. He'll be like, yeah, okay. He just fills it up, no question. And then I feel like a queen. I'm like, haha, peasant. But really, I'm just like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for helping me. But yeah, I guess it's just about trying. I guess the whole point of this was you're going to feel you. I don't know. I, at least I feel this way. I don't know how you're going to feel, but I'm hoping this might help you're going to feel the stigma and you're going to feel the judgment. And it's just like, you got to leave that fear behind. And if it means that you actually have to educate your friends and just come clean and be like, this is how I feel instead of making them believe that you're just lazy. Like you don't have to make anyone believe you're lazy. You don't have, you could just say to them, you can educate them and talk to them about what's going on because then you're all on the same page. And then that's, that's a nice thing. And when your friends and family know that, then you don't have that fear, especially in your safe space. Like you don't have that fear of judgment because whatever people who don't know you are going to think what they're going to think. And I've feel that a lot, but unfortunately it's something that I have to live with. It's something that people with chronic illnesses have to live with. And so it's just finding your way of coping with that. I think and finding your peace with that, because then once you're at peace, and not to say that, it, like, people are still going to bug you. You're still, people are still going to annoy you with the things they say and the looks they give, but as long as you know, as long as the people you care about know, then I think you're golden. Tell who you want to tell. It's your life. I'm just telling everyone. So now I won't have to make people believe I'm lazy. I mean, not to say, like, I'm a lazy hoe. Like, I don't do a lot. Like there's sometimes I feel perfectly healthy and I'm like, carry me to the bathroom. But, but there are times, there are times that I really do need the help. And so it's okay to ask for the help, I think. Yeah. I think that's all I really had to say about the subject. Yeah, I think that'll be it. Well, thanks for listening again, guys. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. It was just something... I know I want to go into depth about more things and I want to really give the dedicated time to each illness. I want to give them their own little time in the spotlight. But I think this was one that made sense to me to come next. And so that's why I'm doing it. And I hope it wasn't too far out or too confusing. But yeah, that's kind of what that is. So thank you for listening again. And have a good whatever time it is.